0: Imagine if a million women could raise a billion dollars to leave as a legacy so that 10,000 female entrepreneurs would be funded every year forever. And if the person goes, that sounds amazing, then I'm like, great, join us.
1: Investment funds for women entrepreneurs are not exactly commonplace in the world of finance, but Vicky Saunders has been on a one-woman crusade to change just that. A successful entrepreneur, mentor, author and public speaker, Vicky Saunders is a Canadian powerhouse championing the term radical generosity, allowing people to share capital and help other like minded women turn a light bulb moment into a successful company. Asking women to turn over a lump sum of money with no return seems like a difficult idea, possibly a tall order to ask. But Vicky has done just that and built up a network spanning numerous countries and sectors with ambitious plans to raise $1 billion of funding for 1 million women by 2026 and wants to hit that target. Even earlier. So, we're here to help. Today, I want to ask the questions you're all thinking, which are how you've done it and why, more importantly. So, Vicky, welcome to a cold but crisp London. How are you doing today?
0: I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me.
1: Let us start with some icebreakers, Vicky. So, snow or sun? Sun. Drawing or reading?
0: Why choose? Oh, okay.
1: Because you're told to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like both.
1: A uh, book you're currently reading?
0: Uh, winners take all. Bye. Anand, unpronounceable last name.
1: Good. Okay, we'll <laughs> let that one up. Uh, that'll be in the show notes. Sports massage or Swedish massage? Swedish. And coffee or kombucha? Coffee. Oh, okay, but kombucha is your favourite snack drink.
0: Yes. Well, okay, you know. but
1: you've got one one more over the favourite.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, newspaper, digital or old fashioned papers?
0: Digital all the way.
1: Justin Trudeau or Justin Timberlake? <laughs>
0: Trudeau. <laughs>
1: okay, You know, you do meet some Canadians who definitely say anything but yeah. Trudeau, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Kindle or paperback? Kindle. And finally, your favourite motto or quote?
0: Everything's broken. What a great time to be alive.
1: Nice. Who said
0: that? I did.
1: Oh, good. Well, OK. Quote it. <laughs> we'll put that one in the show notes, too, so you can tweet it out. Right. So that's the important questions done. So let's talk first about She, E, O. As I understand, it is a way for women to secure investors via a network of activators donating a lump sum of money. Explain that process from both sides for our listeners, please.
0: Sure. So our process is women uh, in each region around the world contribute $1,100 or pounds or where, whatever country you're in, the equivalent of that amount of money, into a pool. And we have a minimum of 500 women per country that do that. So we create roughly 500,000, 500,000 pounds in a pool. And then women go online who've contributed that money and they vote for five female-run companies that are revenue generating, that are creating a better world.
1: It's so, already revenue generating. Yeah, they have, have to have at least
0: 50K trading? in revenue. It doesn't matter how long they've been. They could be in business for one month, but they have to hit a revenue target of at least $50,000 or £50,000. Um, we'll just leave currency general from <laughs> yeah, now on. 49,000. Um, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so they hit that number of revenue um, this year by the time they apply. Uh, and then women go online and vote. And it is an amazing process to go on and read all of these incredible applications of ventures you've never heard about. It's a very simple process. Only 12 questions. No pitch decks no attachments, no jargon. So anyone can read them. My 15-year-old niece uh, is an activator in the network. You read through these applications, you vote for the ones that you think are going to create a better world, and they get a 0% interest loan, which they pay back over five years into the fund, and then it's loaned out again. So we're building this perpetual fund of capital that we will leave as a legacy on the planet.
1: Love that. Okay. And so um, in terms of returns for investors, how does that work? Is that just like a big pool split evenly or...?
0: So this is a new model. There okay. is no, no return it's on just, it. It's loans, basically. Yeah, it's loans that will stay in cycle in the markets hopefully forever. We currently have a 100% payback rate on those loans. Women are great at paying their debts. (laughs) The big sort of thing around this, it's not just the money, it's this network you get. So as one of those entrepreneurs who's selected, you now have 500 women on your team to help you grow your business. They become customers. They talk to their friends about what you're doing. It helps you to really grow your business. They make introductions. They're advisors and it's a just-in-time network to get exactly what you need.
1: Are you familiar with anything like this actually existing for men or for anyone else? It sounds pretty new.
0: I mean it's a very different kind of model. I mean it's not charity. You don't get a tax receipt for this. Mm-hmm. And you it's not an investment, you don't get your money back. So it's some kind of weird new what is that, you know? But for us it's designed as a way to come through an experience where you don't worry about getting your money back and you you come in with this sort of spirit of being radically generous. And we're noticing that our ventures are growing at triple-digit revenue growth every year, partly because they have this amazing network of people who want to lift them up, as opposed to saying, how are you spending my money? Because I'm worried about getting it back. It's a very different vibe. Mm. No, we haven't really seen anything else like this. I imagine we'll be copied as it starts to to really fly. And I hope we are. Part of this thing is we really only focus on the money out there. We don't focus on all those other assets that are sort of on the sidelines. Like women make 80% of purchasing decisions. Mm -hmm. If we start to pick companies we care about, then we can become customers of them and help them grow. Um, And so, yeah, it's a very different model.
1: Obviously, great idea, and it's been very successful so far. You've spoken previously regarding the culture barriers you came across when you were starting off in the business world. So what specific difficulties did you come across that led to the idea of CEO? and the more war stories here, the merrier? Because one of the main focuses for secret leaders in Series 3 is actually shining a light on some of the gender imbalances that people just ignore. I was going to say not necessarily aware of, but actually it might be deeper rooted than that. So please share.
0: Sure. I mean, for decades, really, we know that putting capital into women, women are highly capital efficient. They get to profitability really quickly, but only 4% of venture capital goes to women. And if you're a woman of color, it's much worse. It's zero four percent So, I mean, these are just appalling statistics, given all the data that we have to show that that's a bad idea to not put money into women. And so that's that's one part. The other pieces are... My personal story is that I have always been very obsessed with the culture of an organization because I think it increases productivity. You have happier workers. You can't make someone work hard, right? They have to want to work hard. And so, what kind of environment do you create uh, for that to happen? And not just hard, but smart and whatever. I always focused on culture, and I had a company that um, we had a coach per seven employees in the company. I mean, wow. it was just like this amazing environment and where people were just really thriving. People came to us and said, what is this? You know, it's like another way of working. And we had great results because of it. And so people came along. And then a group of former bankers came to us and said, we want to merge with you and take you public. This is one of my companies in Canada. And as we got through the negotiation, we were going point by point. And everything I pointed out, they said, oh, that's intangible, doesn't fit on the balance sheet. Oh, that's intangible, too. And I'm like, yeah, but these are the special sauce pieces that make us what we are. Um, And by the time I'd finished the negotiation, they were so frustrated with me and I was so frustrated with them. You know, I bring my emotion to the table. So, hey, maybe I cried a couple of times and they lost it. They're like, what is this woman? You know, so they were just like, we don't want you to be the CEO. We want him to be the CEO. And then, like, you sort of kill the culture. And I see that happen over and over with female entrepreneurs. Uh, Very often, we run really different kinds of businesses. Not all of us, but many of us. uh, We want to pay a living wage. We want to have flexible work. We understand that women have babies. Shocking. And so we have great maternity policies and paternity policies. And, you know, we just really pay attention to the individual. And in our current uh, business models and approaches, we try and, like, design all that out right? Just focus on the bottom line. Don't worry about the people. We call them human resources. Like, mm-hmm. what is that? You know? So I just think there's a really different way to run businesses and we haven't you really seen that.
1: For human resources. Yeah, yeah,
0: People, hello. <laughs> How about people? Anyway, I, I think there are lots of different, we've created a, a work environment, which is sort of on 24-7, go big or go home, you know? And so 90% of your economy, 98% of my economy in Canada is small and medium-sized businesses that are starved of capital, because everyone's trying to chase a unicorn, which are these new billion-dollar companies that are popping up quickly, that are about you know erasing jobs, focusing only on the bottom line, not thinking about environmental impact, et cetera. So I'm looking for funding new models and new mindsets and new solutions that create a better world. That's the only thing that we focus on at CEO.
1: And is it a sort of, is people first part of that process? As in, Do you rule out companies that are highly efficient but really conscious of the environment elsewhere? Or is, you know, is it a clear marker that you have to be people first as one of your different strands? No, I mean,
0: we we leave it to you to say on your own terms, define to us how you're creating a better world. Share that, however that is. And then women vote if they think that's interesting. You know, for our own organization, we only have eight people on our team. We've built uh, very, very highly efficient tech systems to scale. We were built to scale from the beginning. And we're in four countries with eight people. Mm. We're, again, highly capital efficient. I would never go raise 50 million bucks and then, you know, try and figure it out. Like we are bootstrapping this. Um, And that's one of the things that we notice that a lot of female entrepreneurs do as well. So it's a great investment.
1: And are you familiar with B Corp? I am. And do you you look for that kind of level of uh, certification from some of the companies that you work with?
0: A lot of our companies uh, become B Corps or are B Corps when they come in. Mm. Again, you know that kind of a, a new sort of structure and baking in at the sort of constitution level of your business that you know you really want to treat people well, you want to care about the environment, etc., are important. But again, we're not setting, we're not saying top down you have to be this or that. Sure. We're asking you to tell us what your vision is. We're really looking for new ways of doing things, and we don't know the answer. Mm.
1: And I guess from a a culture point of view, like you mentioned, you know, there might be some really fascinating um, cultural suggestions coming out of new models that you might never even have considered in the first place as well. So I think just listening to you for the start of the interview, culture being the central point to your personal journey and what you're fascinated in. There's so much in the workforce changing so fast and so rapidly, it must be quite an interesting journey for you to get to look at how different organisations run their cultures and what just things like Slack and how that can change a distributed workforce and how a team of eight can probably quite efficiently manage a global organisation using new systems. So how, how do you think about those sorts of culture changes happening in front of you?
0: Oh I'm so excited by anything that I'm a, first of all I'm a tech adopter early adopter of tech I love it uh, I studied computer science in university way back in the day I'm really interested in how you can use technology for efficiency and scale and yeah we use Slack we use Mailchimp we use Zapier, which is like my favorite tech of the moment, yeah, which integrates all these well. things together. She's like a wicked company. Mm-hmm. And so we're always looking for ways to make things more efficient. And, you know, this old model of, like, build a gigantic organization with all this hierarchy, which is so painful and, like, sucks the life out of people, to move to a more distributed global network where everybody's working on what they're amazing at. We have eight people on our team, but we have 5,000 women who are activators around the world who are all contributing in an mm-hmm. online community, and we're building systems for them to be able to self-organize. Like that kind of an organization can just deliver so much more. Like, the amount of impact that we've had is huge compared to our tiny little team. But our team isn't really eight. It's really 5,000. And eight. Yeah, and eight. Yeah. So, yeah, so there you go. So part of it is just how do you how do you leverage these systems to give people the tools they need? And and all of this really came from a place of I was in Prague right after the wall fell down, um, and it changed my life completely. Like, every person was dreaming about what they were going to do now that they were free. Now that I'm free, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm free, too. What am I going to do? And I realized that the way that I led in Prague and the way that I thought about what I was going to do was very different than the way that I thought in Canada when it was, like, much more conservative culture in the 90s. And being an entrepreneur was, like, a super crazy thing to do. It was only for people who couldn't get jobs, you know, and then going to Silicon Valley. So I've been an entrepreneur in each of these different environments, and I really recognize that the environment that you create really does impact the outcomes of your thinking. And so how do you create a space for people to reach their potential? I think that's really part of business too. Like, how do you do that? Because if you do create that space, you're gonna have a way better product or service.
1: If you're trying to grow your startup and you're dealing with companies outside of the UK, you're probably going to need ISO 27001 at some point. It's not the sexiest acronym, but it's basically the global standard for proving your security practices are up to scratch, like how you handle customer data. The same goes with SOC 2, you're going to need it if you're a SaaS company. But achieving these security frameworks can be very tedious and very costly. This is where our partner, Vanta, comes in. Vanta automates up to 90% of the work for certifications like ISO 27001, SOC 2, GDPR, HIPAA, and more getting you audit ready in weeks instead of months, and saving you up to 85% of the cost. And as a special offer, our listeners get 20% off Vanta. Just head to vanta.com slash secret leaders. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash secret leaders for 20% off. There's a link in the description. Look, you know I'm fascinated by AI. two things that I'm really fascinated by um are potential and community mm. if I had to describe myself in two words you know on my epitaph what words would I use and I use those two so it's nice that you've uh highlighted them I think on the community side the thing that really fascinates me is um is the impact that community can have on specifically helping you reach your potential um On that basis, I'd love you to just explain a little bit more how you operate um, CEO as a community. What's it like for someone who gets investment for you? What is the sort of experience that you can paint for listeners who probably by now are thinking, how do I sign up and what do I do?
0: Yeah, so if you're one of the entrepreneurs who is funded, uh, it's a pretty overwhelming experience. So most entrepreneurs that I know, certainly my own experience, I felt very alone. And most of us are in not to ask for help. Like, oh, she's probably too busy, or I probably should know how to do this, so I'll just keep it to myself, and therefore we stay small. And so this concept of, like, how do you encourage people to ask for help uh, is part of our thing, which is why we call this a network of radically generous women. If you knew you were surrounded by radically generous women, how would you act differently? Or men, right? And so that already sort of sets you up. But when 500 women go and vote for you, it changes the way you think about what you're doing. Like, what? Mm. Wow! People really think I'm doing great stuff. That's is this huge validation that makes you stand a little taller. Uh, and then you stand in front of a room when we announce uh, the ventures, and they're all, you're on stage. And the activators, the people who wrote the checks, are on the floor looking up at you and clapping. The exact opposite of these shows, Dragon's Den and Shark Tank and everything else. Our entrepreneurs are on stage because we're honored to help them with the impact that they're creating. And then they get into this network where every month they're encouraged to ask for help. And within 24 hours, they're getting exactly what they need from our network. I need someone to look at my cash flow projections. Does someone know an ethical manufacturer in China? Like whatever those things are. And people are answering, multiple people answering. Uh, So you really start to feel like, wow, I literally have anything I need to create what's happening here. So there's that kind of a vibe. And then for the activators who contribute capital, what uh, was a bit of a surprise to me from the original design of this is they all started to help each other they're like, hey, you know, can we ask for help? And I'm like, of course, go ahead. And so now we're becoming each other's customers and supporters <laughs> and advisors. Uh, it's becoming this very rich network of radically generous women helping each other do whatever they're here to do.
1: A bit of a bold statement here coming up. um, But it's often been said one of the problems in um, sort of female entrepreneurship, and as someone with a lot of female entrepreneur friends, they often comment this is the opposite scenario, which is actually women women not helping women. Have you heard that before? And what is your point of view on that sort of statement?
0: Yeah, you know, who started that rumor? Well, I know I I hear it often. No, no, no. I'm just saying this is a narrative that we have in society Hmm. that keeps women from helping each other you know, certain my generation came from a a place of scarcity more than abundance, Hmm. where there was only two roles at the top. And so you had sharp elbows and you pushed away. I don't see that in the entrepreneur space as much, like maybe in corporate, that's more true. But all the female entrepreneurs I know help each other. They're like out supporting and collaborating. But but
1: That is also because you're actually creating positive change in the world. And you just wouldn't gravitate towards your mission. I can understand. Do you know what I mean? And you're probably creating this amazing magnetic effect of drawing out the best people in society, which is amazing. I think what's interesting is how do we if it is true obviously I can't actually relate (laughs) as you'll have noticed but if it is true then how can we actually help to change that because there's a positive message and like everything in society it's like but who are you not reaching
0: totally no I, I completely hear this and I so I would say to your female entrepreneur friends if you feel like you're surrounded by people who are not helping you and backstabbing or whatever else change your circle yeah Right. So go find a place where people are like that. And then I would also say, I don't know any of them, but I would say look in the mirror, because one of the things that um, I learned early on from one of my coaches is 90% of what you see in other people is really about you. So are you helping people? Are you reaching out? You are some of the friends you make. Yeah, totally. Okay, so let's talk about
1: raising the money initially. As someone who's raised money and as a man found it difficult in a men's world where it is infinitely easier, and I too, on the show as well, have had horror stories in terms of how difficult it can be. What was it like? Can you take us through the experience? What was it like to pitch for something where it's actually just a donation ultimately?
0: Yeah. So first thing, no pitching. I start a sentence saying, imagine if mm-hmm. a million women could raise a billion dollars to leave as a legacy so that 10,000 female entrepreneurs would be funded every year forever. And if the person goes, that sounds amazing... Uh, then I'm like, great, join us. And if they ask 25 questions, I'm like, you know, why don't you join us in five years when this is working? So part of the thing like that we've noticed, there's almost an energy in this idea. It's like, oh my God, I'd love to be part of something like that. Uh, if you're drawn towards it, please come. You know, if you're running with your arms open going, how do I do this? And if you're very skeptical and you want to like listen to every single, why do you do that? And 500 women are deciding instead of experts, what? A 0% interest loan, why would you do that? How are you going to keep your fund going? You trust the entrepreneurs to like, divide up the money themselves all the we do many different things and if you're if you're trying to fit this into your existing mindset box of the way the world works we make you crazy Mm. Uh, and if you're like i am so ready to experiment with something new come and board is it the
1: same amount of money that everyone gets
0: no, so that's a, another thing that we do. So everybody contributes $1,100 or yep. pounds. Okay, um, yeah,
1: I, w- I want to draw down into all of this so that yep. we get a clear picture. So sure. $1,100 yep. is, is like 100 uh, admin fee, essentially, yes. to pay for $100 yep,
0: of sustainability sense. fee. 1000 yep. goes into the fund, stays in the fund. And that's for people, essentially, managing the network, the yep. salaries, et cetera. Yep. 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 Yeah, that's it just to cover sense. us. Yep. Um, and it doesn't cover our costs right now, but we're bootstrapping through sponsorship, et cetera. Yep. Uh, and then the entrepreneurs, when they're selected, come together for a weekend retreat. They meet each other for the first time. They get to know their coaches because they have coaches through the whole program that help them every couple of weeks. And uh, then we teach them their negotiating styles. So you're going to be assertive. She's conciliatory. This person's going to be avoiding. And we give them tools to figure this out because it's important to do this. On the final day, they divide up the money themselves. We say over to you to divide up the money. And there's two rules. You cannot give it all to one. No more winner takes all because it's trashed the planet. And number two, you can't divide it up evenly because that's what most women that I know would do. And oh. it's, it's sort of like, oh, I love you. You're amazing. Everyone take $100,000, go home smiling. Uh, but the issue is not everyone needs the same amount of money. And we ask, what is the highest and best use of this capital? 500 women have contributed $1,000 each not knowing who those ventures are, trusting this process. What is the best use of this money? And so they negotiate. And it's a fascinating process. It takes anywhere from three to eight hours. uh, And they go line by line through each other's budgets and what they're uh, requesting. And what generally happens is, of course, you know, the first time they go around, there's not enough money because everyone's coming in with a specific number that's higher than whatever. But... They start to go, well, you know, you need $10,000 for that marketing. You don't need that. I've got a person who's really great at that, and they can help with that. And they start to share and to make the money go farther. So everyone always gets money, uh, and it's not even. And it's just a fascinating process. And one of the reasons we do this is they really own as a collective that people are getting the right amount and that people can pay back because we want 100% payback.
1: And how much? I guess that's obviously a big draw as well, right? Is that if you were taking 100,000, you've got to get over 100,000 back, ideally, which is much more challenging. And so also in its own way, off-putting. How many people in those retreats to make those decisions collectively? And how much is the pot that they have to decide? Or is that always different as well?
0: So we always pick a 100 to 1 ratio. So if there's $500,000 raised, five companies selected. And uh, because it's a perpetual fund and because there's 20 equal payments that they pay back over the five years, every year, $100,000 is paid back. So we loan that out again. So in the first year, there's five companies, the second year, six, seven, eight, nine. Um, and so that money just keeps cycling as opposed to sitting in an account.
1: How long did it take you to raise the first 500000
0: Yeah, that was kind of painful. Uh, We launched on, uh, I think, the third week of July in 2015. um, And it took us until the end of November in Canada, 75 events, uh, to get 500 women to sign up. That was um, challenging, (laughs) partly because I tried to explain every single detail of this. And if there was one thing you didn't like, you're like, nope, don't like it.
1: It doesn't sound, uh, well actually no, you just described yourself in a nutshell, that doesn't sound, I thought you were going to say we started in 2015 and last month (laughs) we finally got our target, but no, so five months.
0: Yeah, it took about five months to get started. Now our cycles are about six weeks long uh, when we go into a country, sometimes a little bit longer. It's still a mindset shift to walk into our community. It is it is a different thing. But I don't have to say imagine at the beginning of any sentence anymore. I'm like, we have 32 companies. We have 100% payback rate. They're growing a triple-digit revenue. They're hiring almost three people on average per year, full-time jobs. They're exporting, right? Like, There's a lot of really positive impact happening. And so you can look at the results and decide if you want to be part of it.
1: How long has it taken you to launch your second country? So you started in Canada, I presume, and then what's been your journey since then?
0: We started in Canada in 2015, and within about five minutes of putting up our website, uh, we had countries around the world reaching out. first one was India, five or six women from India going, oh, my God, bring this to my country. And since then, just through social media and word of mouth, those who are very excited about this have spread it like wildfire, which is incredible. So we've had 150 regions around the world, like pretty much every country has reached out saying, please bring this. Um, And so we launched the U.S. the next year. Mm -hmm. Uh, so Canada in the first year, then the U.S. in the second year, and then we uh, New Zealand, the closest country we could find, haha, mm. uh, was next, and then uh, Australia. So we're in all four countries. So fourth year in Canada, third year in the U.S., second in New Zealand, and uh, first year in Australia. And next year we'll we're having an event tonight in London, and we hope that we'll be in the U.K. Uh, next year we were in Switzerland a couple days ago. They will probably be ready. Uh, looking at Philippines, Vietnam, Indonesia, Singapore. Uh, for next year. So we'll be in Southeast Asia, Europe, uh, North America, and then way down in uh, Australia and New Zealand.
1: Amazing. So uh, yeah, I was going to ask if it's just pure coincidence that you're in London for a few days, or you're actually launching something here. How can people get involved if they want to help? I mean, obviously, other than capital. And I guess the other question I have for you is, what about men? As in, can men donate?
0: We would be very happy to take your money, Dan. Mm. (laughs) Uh, But we'd like it in the name of a woman. So men have made contributions, you know, on behalf of their daughters or their nieces or women that they're mentoring or their wives, et cetera. Uh, So that's fine. But uh, all of the people that are voting are women and women only in the network for now. We know that obviously it takes all of us to change the world, but we're really starting with activating women's capital on behalf of the kinds of companies they really care about because they're making the buying decisions.
1: I totally get that in terms of the community. Because I think that... obviously is important and safe space as well and I think if it's already a man's world and that's basically how society has shaped it then good for you for excluding men like men excluded women before but on the capital side I think there's such a powerful opportunity for men to go I guess what's against type and actually support the mission in as meaningful a way as possible and so always have these conversations with my wife with my mum. we talk about equality and always look at scandinavia as a model right and you know equality means equality which means that you have to address all those issues of where women are definitely lower down and you know pay brackets and glass ceilings etc etc but that also has to be matched up with things like taking the scandinavian model on paternity leave because that also helps out the mums too it's like it's good for everyone and on the same basis it's like men should be actively encouraged as much as possible to give, and what I love about your model is it's a donation, yeah, everyone gets money back etc, but it's uh, trusting in a process and trusting in like you've just said earlier the data which is that women actually pay back their debts, etc so I guess the question is how often do you get challenged on that part of the model and um, is there an opportunity in the future where men don't obviously participate to be part of the community so to speak but can act absolutely give without having to give via their wives or their daughters.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, as I mentioned, we are accepting your capital right now. And Mm. so part, you know, part of this thing is, wow, so let's observe this and see how it goes. Why do you have to have a vote as part of this? Mm. You know, like be part of it this way and amplify the stories and share them on and become customers of these companies, right? There's lots of other ways to participate Mm. Uh, as part of this. um, We really... Creating a really safe space for women to come together and share how they're feeling and talk uh, and pick the kinds of companies we care about is important. And we really want to build the muscle of people to understand that every time you spend a dollar, you're creating the economy. Mm. Like we are the economy. It's not some other thing out there, right? So there are 10 corporations globally who sell 85% of the products and services that we buy. And most of those corporations do not care about the planet It's not built into their models uh, and are really trying to cut costs and maximize profits. And that kind of a structure has really pillaged the planet from my perspective and we really need new approaches. And so uh, we're really just trying to, to lift up And magnetically bring towards us uh, these incredible new ideas that you may have that are just starting small, uh, so that we can help them to grow. And it's an experiment Mm. in a new way, and we'll see where it goes. But we're following the energy of our network, and so far our network is pretty pumped by the way that we're doing things.
1: And internationally, so if I did want to donate um, in my British pounds, would I be waiting for you to launch in Britain and then do it within Britain? Is that generally the model you encourage?
0: Yeah, I mean that's the way it is right now. But everyone's hacking our model every time Mm -hmm. I turn around. So you know. We have this amazing country lead, Teresa Gatung, in um, uh, New Zealand, who said, you know, I love living in New Zealand, but I want to have global impact. So I'm going to be an activator in every country. So she's living in Auckland, but she is a contributor in Canada and the U.S. and now in Australia. Mm. So that's a kind of cool thing, too. You can just pay in different currencies. You go to our website and contribute. So you can jump right in right now and then vote in those countries and read through the applications, or you can wait till it comes to your country. It's really up to you.
1: To the activators, how many activators in each country? Sorry,
0: minimum five hundred.
1: Minimum five hundred activators. Yeah. Okay, understood. And everyone's obviously working for free on that basis. And is everyone centralized for you then? In your team of eight?
0: In our team of eight, we're based in Toronto yeah, at the moment, okay. but we're going to start hiring people in different places uh, and you know building out the distributed network of talent.
1: Canada is on like a, a home run with positive uh, impact on the world right now, aren't they? It's amazing. Everything good in the world seems to be coming out of Canada, which is nice. It's a good
0: time to be Canadian. Um, I'll it say. is a
1: good time to be Canadian. Exactly. Right. So. Um, We talked about the first women being um, fairly hard to sign up in your perspective, which um, by other people's uh, perspective might sound um, a a little bit uh, modest, I would say. But how many of the original investors are now activators themselves? Or does everyone become an activator full stop?
0: Yeah, so our ventures that get capital from us, the entrepreneurs who receive the loans, Mm. yeah, more than 90% of them become activators within the first year. They're so blown away by the impact of this. And so one of our uh, ventures... Abigo, a b e e g o dot com, this amazing breathable food wrap. She's like, I am going to be an activator for life. Like, this is going to be in my budget forever because I can see the impact of what it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a, there's a real mix of that. And that wasn't something we layered on, saying, if you get money, you have to then give back. You know, we let it happen naturally. And, and, and I, that, to me, is much more powerful. It really shows that they greatly appreciate and understand the impact that their small amount of money has. And plus, if you're an entrepreneur out there thinking, oh, I don't yet have 50 k in revenue. I have to wait until I'm successful to put in $1,000. This is literally the cheapest business development you will ever do. Mm-hmm. If you become an activator, you get access to this whole network anyway yeah. Yeah. to build your business. And it's we're starting to see people come into the network and contribute and then start to build their business and then apply later. So it's kind of fun to see all the different ways that it's emerging and growing in the new scenarios.
1: Can you tell us about your book and uh, why should our listeners listen to mm-hmm. it ultimately?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've I've been a mentor to over a 1,000 uh, entrepreneurs in the last 20 years. I love sharing everything I know, and I realized that I was saying the same things over and over to so many people, and so I finally sat down to get a book out of me. And it's an aggregation of literally everything I've learned over the last 25 years and all the tools and, and you know, how to build strong teams, um, how to shift your mindset if you think it's hard, change that. Like, I have this narrative in my head all the time, oh, well, I don't have enough time. Well, what if I did? And I don't have enough money. Well, what if I did? And it's this is really hard, and I don't like doing it. Well, what if I did? And how can I game it? Like I'm constantly flipping that around, mm. and it's a real muscle to build for all of us. And to get yourself in the zone of working on what you're amazing at and outsourcing the stuff that you're not. That's just so critical for an entrepreneur. We have such a narrative of you have to do everything yourself, and that is actually a recipe for disaster from an entrepreneur's perspective. So this book is called Think Like a CEO, and um, it's got eight different principles uh, of how to think like a CEO, and you can get it on Amazon.
1: And plans for a follow-up book?
0: Many. Oh, yeah. How long did <laughs> there's that so take many you? books in me. Uh, well, yeah, my secret sauce is M J Ryan, who helped me write this book. She's uh, one of our development guides for CEO and Brilliant, uh, and so she and I basically framed out the book in about a day, yep. and then she interviewed me for all the different pieces, and then we transcribed everything and she edited it. So it was particularly effortless. Yeah, so <laughs> so but, another way of doing it than sitting down and cranking.
1: I mean, I hear that all the time, though, from people with awesome books is like when, I, when you ask them, it's like, look, I mean, let's be practical. I'm not an actual writer. I'm an entrepreneur and I work with a ghostwriter and they turn out this brilliant thing. But it's all my words. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't know how to structure the narrative and do everything else. Maybe by book four or five, I know how to do it all myself. But by acting on your own principles, outsource it and work with people to deliver the best impact.
0: Totally, and I, you know, I, um, I love to write, and so I, on my Facebook, uh, which anyone can follow me on, I post a lot of things. And someone said to me the other day, you just need to take all of your Facebook posts and stick that in a book. Like the journey is so far, like I'm having a meltdown and I post that I'm having a meltdown on mm-hmm. how hard this is, or wow, I just learned this thing from talking to someone in Switzerland or like whatever. So I think this editing, as you just mentioned, is critical, right? So there's a lot of these pieces, but what? how does that form the narrative of what you're doing? Yeah. So the next thing will definitely be around how do we shift our mindset to create a better world? Like I, my biggest concern on the planet right now is that we try to level the playing field instead of creating a new field. I think if we just create a female version of the existing male model we have out there, we're going to push ourselves to extinction so much quicker as a species, like just creating a woman's fund and a woman's this and a woman's that. I mean, the model that we have has pillaged the earth, not double down with women too. So we have to rethink what we're doing. Uh, and this idea of winner takes all, Right now, five people have the same wealth as half the planet. Yeah, Where do you go from there? Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. So the big game now is how do you redistribute capital to have greater social impact and create stronger communities that includes people and looks after well-being as opposed to just growth and greed?
1: Talk to us a little bit about... Um how you've kept your sanity on a journey. You've taken a public company, uh, a company public. You haven't taken a public company. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that would be stealing. But you've taken a company public. You've started this global movement. You're doing an event every single day. You don't actually look like, you know, I you came into this room, couldn't be more relaxed. I was sweating like a beast and looking very frazzled. And I've got half the things to do than you do. How do you manage your... We well, you mentioned Zen, but how mm-hmm. do you manage your uh, patience, balance, mental well-being?
0: Yeah, I think it's part of the thing is I turned 50. That made a big difference. I stopped caring what everyone else thought. And
1: they say never ask a woman yeah, her no, age, 54. but 54, 54 you but you look 34. Oh, no, you're so kind. Um, Don't say that to all the women, obviously. Yeah
0: part of the thing is really, you know, we waste, or I'll just be for myself. Like I just wasted so much time worrying about other people and was I doing it right? And do I fit in and whatever? And I was just like the opportunity to just really, I now have built up my confidence. It took me a long time to really do that because I have for my whole life thought so differently than most people around me. You know, like I thought, Oh, is there, am I wrong? Maybe, you know, like I spent a lot of time worrying about that. And now I feel very clear about what I'm doing. And Hey, if you're not resonating with this idea, no problem. I'm not going to try and convince you. I don't need to have more friends. Thank you. I'm good. Uh, and so it's really just, I keep walking and presenting and sharing this vision. And those who want to join, great. And those who don't, I don't stress about it. But I do listen to you know feedback from people around what we can change. And the real challenge is just to hold the energy for, in our network, we have 11-year-olds whose parents have sponsored them right. or saved money uh, to be part of this. And 94-year-olds, like literally that whole spectrum. We have CFOs of huge banks uh, who have the same power in our network as an 11-year-old who's voting. And holding the space for that is really where I put my energy so that we all have something to give. We're all at different ages and stages. No matter who you are, you have something to contribute. And to create a space for that is very different. A lot of people are like, oh, I couldn't be part of this because she's part of it and she's so successful. Whoa, like what could I give if she's... (laughs) Mm. And all those things that are in your head, it's just understanding those voices in your head. If they're not being kind, they are not for you. I practice a lot of just shedding the things that aren't getting me to a better place.
1: Have you experienced in your network um, anyone that's really suffered from any uh, severe mental breakdowns from the pressures put on them, um, around them? And, you know, what is your... I guess, helpful advice or experience share to help other people that might be feeling that way because it's obviously so common and going through a crisis at the moment and someone who wants to reimagine a model um, is such an important part of the conversation.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we are so much more resilient than we think we are. You know, I'm not going to comment on people that have um, severe mental illness issues that need to be medicated or whatever things. I don't know anything about that space. Mm. But I do know that... It's really hard to step out of your comfort zone and try and create something new. It's easy to stay small and quiet and just uh, plug into the system. But I am so deeply thankful for all of the women that I'm surrounded by who have these ideas and step into them. Like, it's just tough to do this. And the only thing that has saved me And I've had many, many meltdowns. I had one at the end of last year. I was like, I just don't know if I can keep doing this. It was so hard. It was hard to find the capital to support our organization. I just kept every day. I'm on speed dial for all of our entrepreneurs who are having a meltdown as well. And so it's like, oh, my God, this just happened. And, you know, sometimes I just get infuriated with how challenging it is. I don't understand why it is so hard. But the only thing that really saved me is calling somebody and going, oh, my God. I'm having a (laughs) meltdown. Can you help me? And thankfully, not all of us are down at the same time, right? So someone's having a bit of a better day, and they're like, you know, you've got this. Just go to sleep or go eat, you know, a pound of chocolate or whatever your thing is that you need to do and breathe. And so you might see I have a tattoo on my arm right now that says breathe, and I wear this every day just to remind myself, like, it will change, right? I I did a 10-day silent meditation retreat uh, once and learned of this word, Anicca, you know, and it really just, like, All things are in flow and change. And, you know, a moment of total crisis is not going to be like that in another 24 hours. So breathe through it. Anyway, that was another whole story of meditation and learning how to meditate. <laughs> well,
1: it's, yeah. one of, it's one of my questions, oh, okay. you know, and I always ask everyone, but do you meditate? And um, and what is your personal practice in finding balance and calm, which is where that was related to? So mm-hmm. now we've learned not only do you meditate, but you're an expert.
0: No, I, I knew that I needed to get to this place of just breathing. You know, like I, I remember before I went on the t- 10-day silent meditation retreat, I would drop something on the floor and I'd probably swear, you know, drop something in the kitchen. Mm. Um, and I noticed British at this point. Yeah, totally. Um, well, and so this is the reflection right on after I'd done a 10 day silent, I came back and I remember dropping something and going, Oh, I dropped something and not reacting to it. And I was blown away by that. Uh, And I also, one of the things that I did notice because I'm obsessed with uh, being as efficient as possible in everything that I do. I don't want to spend five minutes doing something that someone else can do in a minute. So I've kind of built up my network with those people as well. And, I think that meditation really helps me with that. You know, it helps me to be extremely focused on what matters and like get rid of all the noise. And there's so many distractions around us these days. So how do you do that? And for me, meditation is it's just like amazing game changer.
1: Uh, One of our series sponsors last year was Calm. And um, just after a trip to America went on last month, I did a short, silent meditation retreat myself. And for the first time ever, I have meditated every single day for the last 35 days, which I'm very proud of because it's a huge change for me because I am just as bad as everyone. You know, we talk about it and I try and encourage it and I'll do one and then it'll go by seven days and i'm like what on earth and there's something about habit forming and i've heard it's about 60 days or whatever so i'm almost halfway oh just over halfway there so hopefully it'll become my new habit but i've always admired people who can do it because i totally appreciate and respect as someone who always feels like they're too busy that is the ultimate uh win is to prove that you're never too busy to just take a moment that is always going to exponentially create more space for you so i buy into all of it i'm just glad to be trying to practice it this time around Okay, final questions for you, Vicky, because you um, are an efficient lady who has a lot of shit to do. And we want to make sure that you get to make the impact where you need to. So if I may ask just on behalf of our listeners, they understand how you get yourself out of this. What has been the toughest challenge of your life, professionally speaking? And how did you overcome it? And what, you know, how do you look back on that time now? And how did it
0: shape your future? It's hard to pick one. Really, there's—I mean, pick a day. There's almost there's something crazy that happens every day. But I think probably when I took my company public with these bankers and uh, it didn't work out so, so well for me, I was booted within eight months, which I have since learned is something that happens all the time with female founders. That's why I don't see women at the top of companies. Um, and I didn't realize how important it was to surround myself with people who had my back because I thought, oh, I'll just achieve. That's what I'm born to do, right? I'll just achieve and it'll be fine. And then I'm like, oh, actually, this doesn't, no matter what I do, there's not going to be this comfort with the way that I'm running things because I'm not uh, a man. And so I, and I didn't ask for help when I was younger as well. So this is part of the thing I've really learned is, like, make sure I'm surrounded by people who have my back. Make sure I'm surrounded by people who lift me up, not who just. Don't tell me the truth. You need to have people telling you the truth. But this concept of like being surrounded by people who have you and who take care of you and point out things when you're not there, that's so, so, so important. I think it's part of this human experience of the social nature of things. And if you have people around you who are bringing you down, get rid of them. And I know it's like a harsh thing to say, but if you really want to create change in a safe space and a mental um, healthy mental space for yourself, you have to get rid of people like I have enough voices in my head. I don't need any more. Thank you very much that are negative. So that to me is is really the big thing.
1: I completely agree. Listen, I've heard you use the formulation before uh, energy input equals impact you're having. Can you explain that train of thought to us?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I've trained everyone in my team to think about this all the time. How much men- energy are you putting into something versus the impact it's having? You know, and if it's like, if you're if you're just constantly working on something that's not getting you to where you need to go, stop, rethink, uh, step back from it. And so I think about this all the time. If we, in our network, for example, women said, you know, is there an event every single month that you're organizing? And I'm like, well, we could actually hire a person in every single country to do that. Or do you think maybe you could self-organize things? Like, do you really need us to become an events company? Because all of a sudden we're going to have 600 people in our team in this massive admin nut. So like, let's get rid of that. And like, oh, okay. So where do you, like the impact that we're going to get out of having monthly meetings for us personally is not, what we need to do but if you want to do it go self-organize and so it's paying attention to that all the time because you know the structures and systems and power that we have in place is not a mistake it is well designed and it's creating the results that we need and if you want different results you have to reshift the power structures and the systems that we have and so don't just go create what everyone else is doing you have to rethink like where do you want to put your energy and where is it going to have the biggest impact so every day i ask that question of myself
1: okay if you could offer one piece of advice to someone starting out now other than go pitch, <laughs> CEO, uh, what would it be?
0: Again, I, I think I've said it many times, but really uh, go find a network to plug into that has a whole bunch of resources that you don't. And so become an activator, CEO, uh, go join a local uh, organization that fits with your vibe, not that's trying to change you, that's not that's trying to fix you. That would be one. And then I guess I'll leave with one other different piece, which I just love this piece of advice, which is, uh, came from a mentor many, many years ago. If you want money, ask for advice. And if you want advice, ask for money.
1: Amazing. What better way to end an interview. Thank you so much for your time, Vicky. My pleasure. Next week on Secret Leaders. I think the biggest thing is to be mission-obsessed and not product-obsessed. Always like be willing to reinvent what you're doing. If you don't know your why, you're not going to know what the what and how is. You need to be able to pivot and iterate as the world changes to continue to accomplish your why. That was Payal Kadakia, the founder and chair of ClassPass, which is the world's largest fitness studio and class booking platform who are growing exponentially right now with a business worth over $500 million and and 60 million classes booked to date. She is a founder worthy of ending a series on. So next week's series finale, the wonderful Payal of ClassPass. You're not going to want to miss this one. So tune in or you'll miss out. We hope you enjoyed this episode. It was brought to you by your host. That's me, Dan Murray-Serta, producer, Rich Martell, edited by Harry Morton of Lower Street Media. And if you've heard this, it'll probably have something to do with Jennifer Osman in Canada. You'll also notice throughout this series, we've got some beautiful illustrations made for every episode. And that's all thanks to Christina Naru of smartupvisuals.com. You can check out show notes, transcripts, and our upcoming Secret Leaders live events on secretleaders.com. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe on whatever media player you use. Just follow us at Secret Leaders on Instagram or at Secret Leaders 1 on Twitter. And tell just one friend about how freaking awesome this episode is. If you want to go the extra mile, I'm at Dan Murray Serta on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And we'd love to see you take some screenshots of the episode you're listening to and share it across your social media. It'll bring a tear to our eye and joy to our hearts. See you next week. Tune in or you'll miss out.